welcome to this episode of InstaCast. This week, we're going to be exploring a random act of terrifying violence as we look at Brian Bettino's 2008 film, The Strangers. Hello everyone to this episode of Incidicast, and this week uh, we're going to be looking at a film that is pretty interesting. I think most people are going to overlook this a little bit because it's on quite a lot of streaming sites, so therefore it probably gets buried in a lot of things. And over recent years, you have things that have just become a little bit more popular as a franchise that sort of steal some of the limelight from this film. I think the big one being The Purge, obviously. And essentially, what I'm going to do is state the case why this film is particularly worthy of your time and credits, because I feel like people probably feel this film is a little bit average, and they kind of like to see, or they would have liked to have seen, a little bit more from this film. But I think, for me, it did just enough. So let's get into Brian Bertino's The Strangers. So it was released uh, in May 2018 in uh, America. Quite a small, modest budget of $9 million. However, the box office brought it back at $82.4 million. That's a really good testimony to the immense profitability that horror has and why it's sometimes very difficult to filter the good from the bad when it comes to horror because there's a lot out there it can be made extremely cheaply with very little effort but sometimes you do get cult classics gems that potentially at the time had a pretty mediocre response but later on gained a lot more credibility i feel like this film is kind of one of them it does get described as a cult film which i think is kind of ironic considering um you could argue that this film has a lot to say about cults and murders (laughs) you know i think some people have compared this slightly to the manson family and, and i could totally see why it has similar vibes and themes i think what this film really does encapsulate though is stranger on stranger violence and random acts of violence as it talks about in the introduction to me this is just terrifying like you know uh, give me aliens give me gore give me crazy stuff you know i I can handle it all day long but the, the prospect 
if somebody walking into your house that you haven't even realized could be touching your things, looking at you from a different room, not to mention the potential threat of death. There's just nothing that freaks me out more. There really, really isn't. And this film plays into that. And I think the reason why this shouldn't be compared to something like Purge, even though the themes are very similar, is because Purge is kind of uh, an over-glorification of this theme. Whereas The Strangers doesn't try to glorify what it is. It is a harsh, unforgivable, brutal example of home invasion and violence. There's nothing about this that's grandeur, that's show-off. There's nothing about it that's remotely favorable or appealing to look at. It's dark, it's visceral, and the main thing that I always take away from this film is it doesn't do anything to show off. Do you know? It, it seems kind of bizarre. I think even when you look at a lot of the slashes of the 80s, as much as they try to portray some form of social message and try to make it somewhat believable and relatable, despite you have a lot of the time, some type of supernatural killer. I think what this film does... I think what this film does is highlight how cynical and horrific these types of events can really be. And it's something that, like, when you look at Halloween, for example, in Halloween 2018, it, it will talk about the impact that it's left on people, but it doesn't show that in the film. Because the spotlight is on Laurie. The spotlight is on a final girl. And Michael Myers is in many ways as glorified as she is. They are both the star of the same show. Whereas in this film, there are no stars. There are no final girls. It is entirely... And it in many ways borrows from films alike. Films like Saw. Films like hostile not because of its um torture porn connotations just its entire cynical nature towards violence and to never give you a final girl or final boy for that matter and in many ways people talk about this period of history where it separates from 80s slasher and talks about something they call now hear me out, something they call the, the post-9-11 horror, which is a cultural shift within film where cinema becomes extremely cynical towards the main characters. And as a result, you get much more bleak films where people are thrown into situations that are out of their control. This feeling of victim them by chance if i just didn't go to this place if i didn't do x y and z i would just be living a normal life and these horrible things would never have happened to me and you can feel the ripple effect of that event in a lot of horror 
that came after it. Some go a little bit further than uh, anything that, you know, could paint an homage to that in any way. But I think you can tell the massive shift in, in cultural trends and narratives in horror in, in films like this, The Strangers, and in other films that I've covered already and will continue to cover in the future. So the film covers two people specifically, a couple by that chance. Uh, Liv Tyler plays uh, Kristen, and Scott Speedman plays James. And they're sort of a couple that's close to marriage, yet it clearly is pretty dysfunctional. There's pretty strong hints that she's refused to be married, but she still loves him. And there's a few really key moments here as well. As much as this could be compared to many slasher films, it's much more grim and realistic, and it doesn't follow these cliches. So there's a really uh, kind of weird key moment where they get interrupted before obvious sex happens, and as a result, they still die. Now, in typical slash, that would never happen, because it's the sex that confirms the death, usually. And I think this shows and highlights a really key aspect of this shift that I talked about in, in, in sort of the trend. It doesn't matter that you drink and do drugs and have premarital sex and you're a crazy teenager. It doesn't matter what age you are, really. You're a victim. And that's just terrifying. And it's also very realistic. You know, real killers out there, real home invaders, they don't play by rules. They play by their own rules and what they want to do. Now, the film is not without some moments of levity. I think, for the most part, it doesn't. But there's a moment in there that I quite like. The ice cream tub scene, I think, is quite funny. That is totally me. <laughs> you have a bad day, you crack open a massive tub of ice cream, just, just drown your sorrows. <laughs> um, but that aside, like we do get introduced quite early on to the story. These home invaders, one of the girls shows up asking for someone called Tamra and if they live there. This is very specific to the influence of the story, which was... Uh, the rioter talking about something that happened on a street um, that he used to live on and his parents was out and people would knock on the doors asking if someone lived there and obviously if nobody answered the door they'd break in and that's just terrifying man this is like creepypasta 101 and it's so real oh I hear it it freaks me out but yeah the, the film has quite a slow build up plays a lot on knocking, uh, lots of sounds, what you would call uh, diegetic sounds, okay? That's the word for the day. Uh, diegetic sounds are films that happen within the set that they film. So they, they aren't things that they add in post, like music and, you know, phone to buzzings is a big one. Uh, but, you know, there are elements of that. There are, of course, some degree of music. It's very, very subtle. A lot of it is just raw 
clear sound. That really helps uh, blend in some unsettling feelings because you're quite used to that stuff. And that's before, um, you know, some of the more modern films where they started to reduce a lot of music and stuff because things became predictable. You know, th- this was doing it back in 2008, which is quite impressive for what it is. And yeah, so a lot of it is just toying with people, creating sounds, uh, quite a lot of what they call uh, empathic music, which is essentially music that doesn't fit the scene. So uh, like a lot of country music being played quite loudly that's counteracting what's happening, you know, the drama, the, the fear. It's all very clever. And in many ways, it's very simple filmmaking. It doesn't require a lot, but it's, it's very effective. It really is. So sounds become physical appearances. We start to see them in costumes and in masks. And again, this is something that people might compare a lot with The Purge. And when you think about The Purge, has had multiple installments in the franchise. And this has only had one other sequel, which I don't think was particularly received very well. Uh, it may be crazy for people because they might even think that this film copied, which is just so wrong. Uh, but it's a really nice, subtle build-up. So we've got sounds, which turns into appearances, and eventually we start being in the same room with each other and, and being more face-to-face. It's just creepy. When she's hiding in a closet and there's just a man walking around her house, sitting on her couch, you know, it, it's just... I think it's super creepy. It really is. And there's kind of some interesting things that get said in this film which didn't quite uh, resonate me a little bit. There's a scene where he's trying to load the gun. Uh, this is James. And he mentioned some lie about hunting with his dad. He didn't know how to put a gun together and load it, basically. It's kind of weird. I kind of thought the film might have done something with this. Either instill some element of reasoning why the marriage is broken down or some additional depth. I will say one thing. Potentially the character development is a little bit thin. You know, plot-wise, it's also probably a little bit thin. But I don't think it's trying to be a character study or a lavish interpretation of random violence. Do you know what I mean? It's just a depiction of many. An example of things that we hear about all the time in the news and that we see on TV and reading newspapers and stuff. It's just one of those. And I think this film is an amalgamation of not only real life events, but also but also plays some respect to prior films that came before that influenced it. It's kind of like a, a nice little blend of things while it's still having its own identity. There's also quite a, a bleak understanding throughout this as the film goes on that, you know, faced with this type of terror and essentially like a life or death situation, a lot of people will come to terms with disagreements because the will to survive together and the love for each other is stronger and will outlast and they'll want that to survive. And yet, it'll never happen. There'll be many differences that 
this couple has that will never be resolved. And that in itself is a very grim reality of what these types of incidents do to real people. And a lot of this obviously applies at night, which, yes, does add some horror element. I kind of like that a lot of it was filmed in the daytime as well. Or at least towards the end, anyway. I think it's a nice twist. It feels more like that Texas Chainsaw, where it kind of doesn't matter if it's day or night. It's equally terrifying. Horror really shies away from filming things in the daytime because it's harder to like to mask things. You know, things are easier to see. Yes, there are some moments in this film that could be considered a little bit ridiculous. You know, splitting up. You know, we're not the Scooby Gang. Like, I can't see a reason why you would ever want to leave your girlfriend alone in a house uh, when you know people have been in that house. Secondly, running through the dark and falling over. Been there, seen that a million times. These cliches happen. But thankfully, these things are very few and far between. And because of that, the film never suffers for having them. It's not something that's riddled with cliches. I think it tries to fight against a lot of cliche and typical conventions. I think a really good example of this actually is uh, when they accidentally shoot uh, their friend called Mike. I think he's like a... Yeah, I think he's like a friend of them, I guess. He tries to meet them. For some reason, they like axe his car window and he just doesn't freak out and drive away. <laughs> I mean, I would. But yeah, so he gets out and goes into the house, which I think is crazy. You do get a very tense scene, though. There's him walking through the house and the music on, and you see the masked uh, guy behind him, and you're kind of wondering what's going to happen. But then, obviously, the big twist is that Scott shoots him by accident. That is uh, absolutely awful, because it really, um, it really feels real. It, it feels very... It feels very natural. The reactions are very natural. It's very good acting in this film. It, I like small casts in horror. I think it's a great way to get reactions out of people because they're forced together all the time. You know, they build like really good relationships, and you can just you can feel things a lot more than when you have a big cast. I think it's what it's what separates for me a lot of like zombie films. I think sometimes like early zombie films, early day Walking Dead. You know, early days, like, you know, Dawn of the Dead and all that kind of stuff. Night of the Living Dead. These kind of smaller, intimate casts help a lot because, I mean, yeah, you get to know people better. But also, like, the fear is just better. I think looking at the end of the uh, Dawn of the Dead remake and seeing the car surrounded by all those zombies, like, it's a cool shot, but, like, how can you be scared in that moment? Fear comes from the potential to escape, right? It's a fight-or-flight scenario. And the same with the type of home invasion. It's a fight-or-flight scenario. You can fight for your life. You can try and escape. You can try and call for help. When you're put into a situation that is completely unescapable, it doesn't become scary. It becomes hopeless. Some people might say hopeless in itself is scary, but 
for me as a viewer watching entertainment uh the chase is sometimes more exciting than the final kill and when you have protagonists that have no chance of escape there's there's nothing no one that can save them nowhere to go nowhere to run nowhere to hide it's cool to say but like is it scary you know would wolf creek be as tense and as terrifying as it is if people can't run away i don't know maybe it's a weird tangent but all i'm thinking is you know at what point does it start to become a horror or a slasher or whatever and does it creep into that line of exploitation so the film kind of ends um with them getting stabbed and the family sort of leave and they drive away in the car and it's really good for multiple reasons one i really like the line of why are you doing this and they respond with because you are home that sums up the film in a nutshell and it's also terrifying and also they stop by the boys from the start of the film uh where they obviously it starts with a 911 call which is from them freaking out about blood poor poor kids um and the girl's voice is is so good in this film it's so creepy as well and the kids ask her like are you a sinner and she just says sometimes <laughs> it's like so good of course it does then result with the final scene uh, being Kristen still alive and she screams and cuts to black. Uh, I don't dig this. Uh, it feels a little bit too 90s, actually. It's probably the only part of the film that feels really out of date. Uh, I don't know when things started to... Well, I don't know when things started to stop cutting to black, but I think that's the best decision films ever made but unfortunately this was very rampant in the early 2000s but yeah i I didn't take that as an ending personally i actually liked them driving away being the better part of the ending i think you could shave that off and it'd be substantially more impactful uh because you you see them having the last laugh basically they drive away and they carry on with their business just complete indifference to what's happened. It adds to that fear massively. And I think it's actually a film that in today's world uh, could be modernised quite a lot and to be really impactful for a new audience. And I think you could do this with a, a lot more wide shots, you know, sort of trying to see people in the distance, a more voyeuristic point of view. The film kind of does a bit more of a handheld style, uh, which does work. It does have its own uh, grittiness by doing that. It flips back and forth between the handheld and the more like traditional filming. I think it'd be nice to either commit to one or the other, or just have it completely impersonal to what's going on, like a real outside perspective. The, the strangers are watching them, but maybe we're watching the strangers watch them. Like... That could be creepy. Who knows? 
I hope it's a film franchise they come back to one day. I think it'd be pretty cool. So that's my thoughts on The Strangers. Hopefully you enjoyed it too. Hopefully it's given you some food for thought. Potentially you can see things from my perspective on how this type of stuff would be absolutely terrifying in real life. <laughs> and maybe when you do see this on streaming websites, you give it another chance. Give it another watch. And let me know what you think. I think for me, The Strangers gets a solid 4 out of 5. I think it's I think it's solid. I do. I really, really do. Do let me know what you think, though. Uh, feel free to check out the links attached. Uh, especially have a look over to YouTube. I will be uploading some episodes soon. Prior episodes, obviously. You may or may not have heard them already. However, uh, you'll see all the cool graphics and all the cool animation that I've got going on there. That'd be pretty dope. And obviously, do check out the other socials. Uh, you can always message me on Twitter and Instagram with your thoughts about this on the little post for the episode. Yeah, that'd be cool. As for now, this has been Phil at Incidacast. I will see you all in the next episode.